uh, our brother just came off uh, of having camp up in Chico, California, up in Tim Rule's church. I don't know how many hundreds of young people that were there, but didn't you say there was, there was over 20 that professed salvation? So praise God. So he was camping all week. So he's going to look at us and go, you guys are nothing. I was, just teaching, I was just preaching to hundreds of teenagers. You know, you guys are, you know, but uh, so, looking, uh, so looking forward to it. So let's be praying uh, through this. I'm glad you're here. Again, we love you. We so praise God for what we have in Christ that draws us together. And we're going to be reminded of that tonight. I want to tell you one more thing. I was wrong. I did not forget our anniversary. I just forgot it this morning. I got to be thinking about, okay, you know. But, but she'll, she'll remind me, you know. Anyway, brother, it is really good to have you here. We have been waiting for this. I hope that's going to work. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Well, good to be with you this morning. I had my, I've got a wireless. This is my guitar cord right here. I'm a high-tech redneck. Sometimes my North Carolina humor doesn't go over here in California. So you'll just have to get used to me, I guess. But uh, I just noticed I had this plugged in, but it, it wasn't on. I got a bad cord there. And if it doesn't work, uh, I can fix it here in just a minute. We'll see. Let's see if we got any noise here. We got anything there, butter? We do? I can't hear it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Some of you look like you hadn't laughed in a long time. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I need to tell a joke. No, I'm just kidding. What a joy it is to be with you. I've been looking forward to it. I had such a wonderful time with the men's meeting, and you'll have to excuse me. I feel like something, I feel like I'm going through puberty. My voice is not doing real well. I've got a nodule on my vocal cords. I have to get it uh, lasered off on August the 29th. So if you'd pray for me about that, so it makes me uh, sound a little squeaky from time to time, but we'll work through it, okay? And, uh, um, i tell you what, let me just sing you a song. I'll get you to help me with a song. I should have done one for the kids while they were in here. I, hate, I didn't think about that, Pastor. That's my fault. This is uh, God Still Cares for Me. And the first time I say that in the chorus, you say hallelujah. And the second time you say amen. All right, some of you are looking at me like a deer in the headlights. So let's practice it one time, all right? God still cares for me. Oh, we're excited this morning, aren't we? Let's try it again. You ready? God still cares for me. There you go. God still cares for me. Amen. Now we're rolling. All right. The story in the Bible, I know that it is true. About a man named Daniel and all that he went through. Evil men, they turned on him, threw him in the lion's den. Alone and without a friend The Lord, He was present and Daniel did pray And a miracle happened that day God sent an angel to that den Shut the lion's mouth and then 
Daniel started to sing. God still cares for me. God still cares for me. When the lions round me roar, I will call upon the Lord. God still cares for me. Now the lesson of the story is very plain to see. God tear of Daniel and he'll take care of me. When the world laughs at my fate and the choices that I make, God still cares for me. God still cares for me. God still cares for me. When the lions round me roar, I will call upon the Lord. God still cares for me. Amen. You did good for early in the morning. I appreciate that. Now, I do want to let you know that I do have a table back there with uh, some CDs, some gospel tracks, and there's also a newsletter about a movie they're going to do about my brother and myself called Brothers Twice. And the whole thing is to try to get the gospel around the world. Amen? So if you want to uh, know any information about that, just grab one of those and read it. And if you have about $500,000 laying around, you're not doing anything with it. We could use that right now. And uh, I always tell churches when I go, I really don't need your money, but the people I owe, they need it real bad. Okay? (laughs) And so I'd like for you to turn your Bibles with me this morning. And I want to thank Pastor for allowing me to come back and thank you for the wonderful place to stay. And uh, we had a good meal yesterday and I had a good rest last night because I'm telling you, camp wears you out. It just wears you out. You're, you're all day long doing stuff. You don't get much sleep. And many of you that have been to camp know what I'm talking about. But if you'll find your way in Psalm chapter 40, and once you found your way, if you're able to stand, would you stand with me this morning? We're going to read three verses of Psalm chapter 40 and have a quick prayer time. And I'll get you out about three o'clock. That sound good? Just want to make sure you're listening, all right? Thank you again for allowing me to come. I'm so excited to be here and pray that God will use me in your lives in the next couple of days. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay. You see, I was in a pit. I was in the clay. I wanted to get out. I tried to get out. But every time I tried to do it my way, I just kept falling back in the pit. But on March the 10th of 1998, God pulled me out of that pit. And I'm going to tell you about that this morning. And the Bible says, And set my feet upon a rock, and establish my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. God says, many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. What is it that people are going to see that's going to make them fear God to the point they put their trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm here this morning to tell you this, the miracle of a changed life. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, as I bow my head and my heart, I realize without you I can do nothing. I need you this morning. Lord, help my voice not to be a distraction. And Father, I pray for every precious soul that's here today or that's listening online. And Father, if by chance there's anybody in church today, but they're not in Christ, I pray that you'd open their eyes to the truth of your word. Draw them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Save them, please, before it's eternally too late. And Father, we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for any good that comes out of this. In Jesus' name, amen. 
And amen. You may be seated, and I appreciate you standing. And I also wanted to remind you that back there on the table, I have gospel tracks. There's a picture of Hank Williams Jr. and me. I always tell people I'm the ugly woman on the right. My hair was down to here. I had the earrings and all that stuff wore back in the day. And I didn't have a hair problem. I had a heart problem. Once my heart got right, then my hair got right, right? And so you can take as many of these as you like and take them and invite your friends and, and share with them. So I have plenty of those in my case. So if I run out, I'll go in my case and get some more and put them back out there, okay? So take as many of these if that would be a help to you. Um, I want you to know <clears throat> that uh, God changed my life drastically when I got saved. And I'm so honored to be able to come here and tell you about that today. Now, before I do, I want to sing one song that kind of goes along with this verse. I once was lost in sin's dark valley, in life's angry sea, going down, no one to help me, but Jesus' love has lifted me. Though the storm around me rages, I'm holding to his nail-scarred hand. He brought me out of troubled water and set my feet on peaceful land. Now I'm free from angry waters. By faith I'm washed. In Jesus' blood, I'll drink water, clean and peaceful, that flows down from the throne of God. Though the storm around me rages, I'm holding to His nail-scarred hand. He brought me out of troubled water. Set my feet on peaceful land. Set my feet on peaceful land. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. When I was a little boy, I grew up, you know, our brother, you're going to North Carolina to go to Bible college, right? He was telling me a minute ago, he said, maybe I'll learn how to have an accent like you do. And I said, well, when you get to heaven, everybody's going to sound like me. Because the Bible says, yonder, reckon, fetch, and you all. It's in the book. I'm telling you, it's right there. Amen. But I was a little kid, and I was playing outside, and I ran in, in my house. And my little mother, and when I say little, she was very little. She came up to about right here on me. We called her Little Jimmy Dean, the dancing machine, because she liked to clog a lot and stuff. And as I was running through there, she was in the kitchen, and I was right behind her, and she said, Stop, Bruce, I want to talk to you. I said, Okay, Mom. I said, What do you want to talk about? She said, Bruce, you're 13 years old, and you know right from wrong, don't you, son? I said, Yes, ma'am. And she said, Well, I think it'd be a good thing for you to join the church. Now, I want you to understand something. My mother was a moral woman. She had great integrity. She was the best mom, the best cook. I could go on and on and on about my mom. But my mom was a lost church member. Years later, I got to lead my mother to Jesus Christ when she was 80 years old. She'd been in heaven four years. And then beside my mother's grave, my dad at 87 years old, I got to lead him to Christ. 
and he's 91, and he's still with us. And so I want you to know, whoever you're praying for, hey, God's still in the saving business. Amen? And so I said, well, okay, Mom, you want me to join the church? What do I need to do? She said, well, the first thing I want you to do is this. And she gave me a gospel tract about a 12-year-old boy who had trusted Christ as his Savior. I went in my bedroom. I read it. I got very emotional after reading it. I walked back to the kitchen, and I said, Mama, I think I'd like to do what this little boy did. She said, okay, I'll call the preacher. And so later, I came by our house, and he and I went and sat down in the living room to talk. Now, I don't know what we talked about. If he opened the Bible and showed me verses of Scripture, I don't remember that. If I prayed a prayer from these lips to trust Christ as my Savior, I don't remember doing that. But they said that I did. The whole time I was with the man, all I did was cry. Now, the next Sunday came. I went to church, and I was sitting way back in the back of the church. At the end of the service, they had an invitation. They called my name. I came forward, and I joined the church. And for years of my life, I thought that if I died, I would go to heaven because I prayed a prayer, got baptized, and joined the church. But prayer, baptism, and church membership didn't leave heaven and die on a cross. Jesus Christ did that. So for all those years, my trust was misplaced. Now, I don't blame my mama. I don't blame the preacher because salvation is your heart to God's ear. Because only then thinking I was saved when I was not saved. Even back when I had a band and stuff, and we would before our shows, sometimes we'd go to dinner. My band members knew I was always going to pray for the meal. I was very spiritual. I believed in God. Do you know you can believe in God and die and go to hell? The Bible says in James two nineteen, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And so here I was, lost, thinking I was saved. God had given me a talent to sing. I thought he gave me that talent so I could be rich and famous. Before I ever had a guitar, I would take a stick and a string, and I'd put it around my neck, stand in front of my mirror, and for hours I would pretend to be singing to thousands of people. I'd bow to the mirror and say, thank you very much. You want to hear me do another song? And I had a big imagination, and then years later that became a reality for me. No longer was I pretending Now I had a guitar around my neck, and I was singing for thousands of people. I left the hometown there. I live in Carthage, North Carolina. It's right in the center of the state. I can go three hours this way and be at the beach, or I can go three hours this way and be at the mountains. And it's an hour south of Raleigh, North Carolina, right beside uh, the famous golf course, number two golf course in Pinehurst, North Carolina, where they have the U.S. Open. And so that grew up. And... uh, Once I was playing the clubs there in my hometown and was starting to pack all the clubs, things were going good. Then I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, the big city, and I put a band together. I got an independent record deal with Tone King Records. Things were going great. I was playing in front of thousands of people. I was making thousands of dollars. Uh, We uh, had just done our first CD for this record label, and things were going good, but inside I was empty. And I thought the reason I was empty is because I didn't have a major record deal. So I made a decision that I was going to move to Nashville, Tennessee. I I tried to get my band to go with me, but they didn't want to leave North Carolina. So I told them, I said, well, if you won't go with me, I guess I'll just go by myself. They said, Bruce, there's no way you would leave all of this. We've got it made. And I said, well, we may have it made, but I want more. You see, I wanted a bus with my name on the side of it. I wanted everybody in the world to know who Bruce Fry is because it was all about me. 
And now I don't care if you remember my name when I leave here. I want you to know Jesus Christ. But back then, it was all self-focused. And so I left. April Fool's Day of 1990, I took off and went to Nashville, Tennessee. Now, I want you to understand something. Very cocky, cocky rooster. I figured that when I got to Nashville, I'd be there two or three months. I'd have my record deal, and I'd be off and running. But all of a sudden, 1990 turned into 1997. I'd been there seven years. Knocked on every door, played every club, met every person, did everything humanly possible to get a record deal, and I still didn't have a record deal. And all of a sudden, I'm tired, I'm broke, I'm discouraged. I started having my credit card to pay my bills. I had sold my Harley-Davidson motorcycle, music equipment, trying to keep my head above water. And I was just having a hard, hard time. And then one day, I walked off stage, and these two men approached me, and they said, Bruce, we've been watching you for a few weeks. We believe you have what it takes to get a record to help you. And I said, well, And they said, well, the first thing you need to do, you need to go into studio and record four songs, and it needs to be very high quality so we can take it to all the record labels here in Nashville, Tennessee, it's probably going to cost in the neighborhood of around $12,000 to do it. And when they said that, I had opened my checkbook earlier that day. I was 43 years old, and I had $43 left in my checking account. And I was doing thousands and thousands of dollars. I was in debt already. And I told them, I said, guys, I don't have that kind of money. They said, we know you don't, but we do. And if you let us be your management company, we'll put this money behind you and help you get a record deal. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you today. You help me get a record deal, and as soon as I know I have it, then I'll sign any contract you want me to sign. But I'm not signing anything until I know I have a deal. And they said, okay. So we got all the musicians lined up. We were going to record in Studio B where Elvis Presley and all these country music stars recorded. I was really excited about that. And a week before we went into the studio, they called me on the phone. They said, Bruce, our lawyer said, your name on a contract right now. Or leave it. I hung the phone up on him. I said, forget it. I called my producer, told him what had happened. He said, would you want me to cancel everything? And I said, no, not yet. My mother worked at a bank back in Aberdeen, North Carolina. I called her on the phone. I said, mama, I need to borrow $12,000. Can you help me do that? She said, yes, but you have to pay it back. And I said, I know. So I borrowed this $12,000 on top of the thousands of dollars I was already in debt and went into the studio. And during that week while we were recording, the producer really liked me a lot. And he said, Bruce, I'm going to try to help you get a deal. I'm not going to charge you anything. I know everybody in town. And he said, I'm going to take this around. A week later, he called me on the phone. They really like it. And they want to hear you do a showcase. Now, when you do a showcase, you have to rent a building, the lights, the sound, the band, uh, cater it, give them free food and drinks, all of that. Every time I did a showcase, it would cost me several thousand dollars. And I'm thinking, good night. Where am I going to get the money to do that? I, I can't sell anything else. I can't borrow any more money. But then I remembered that I had a comic book collection in my closet. I had number one all the way to 300 and something. I had the Avengers. The Hulk, I had the Hulk number one through six when he's gray before he turned green. I mean, I had some old, old comic books, and I love those comic books. But I'm thinking, record deal? 
comic books. What do I want more? And I wanted that record deal so bad, I sold my whole comic book collection for $4,500. Found out several years ago that somebody got a million dollars for Spider-Man number one. I had that book. I had a lot of number ones. I shouldn't have done this, Pastor, but I went on the internet and started adding up all the number ones and how much they're worth today. And after a couple million dollars, I had to quit because I thought I was going to shoot myself. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But God was removing the idols of my heart out of my life. At that same time, I was doing a musical comedy show with a friend of mine. Joan Rivers heard him. He took off with her. I'm back in Nashville trying to resurrect my career. I had been dating her for five years. She and I broke up. So God took my best friend. He took my girlfriend. He took my motorcycle. He took my comic books. He he was removing all these distractions out of my life. So here I am ready to do this showcase. And when I did this showcase, you have 30 minutes to try to sing, you know, present yourself if you want, however you want to say it. I entertained as hard as I could. I sang my heart out. And when it was over, we had a meet and greet session. And then everybody left, and I was standing at the door. I shook their hand, thanked them for coming. And the record label people told me this that day. They said, Bruce, you're a good singer. You're a good songwriter. You had good stage presence. We enjoyed your show, but you're just not what we're looking for. I'm sorry. And it crushed me. Later on that night, when I went back to my apartment by myself, I fell on my knees beside my bed because I always believed in God. But I didn't ask God to save me. I didn't ask God for forgiveness. This is what I said. God, I thought you gave me this talent so I could be rich and famous. If that's not it, God, why am I here? What is my purpose for living, God? I really want to know, but I've got so much debt piled on me. I've never been in debt like this in my life. I can't even think, God. Could you help me with that? Crawled in the bed and cried myself to sleep. Next day, I went and bought a Bible for $8. And I started reading the Word of God. And the more I read the Word of God, the more God started convicting me of the sin in my life. But instead of doing what the Bible says, repentance toward God, faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'd always done things my way. So I got out a piece of paper. I said, I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop drugs. I'm going to stop partying. I'm going to quit doing all these bad things. Because I thought if I could just clean myself up, that I could win favor with God and go to heaven. But the Bible says in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace are you saved through faith. That's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I'm telling you, I was such a cocky rooster. If I could have worked my way to heaven, I'd have bragged about it when I got there because I was full of me. But guess what? I couldn't keep that list. Some days I'd drink. Some days I wouldn't. Some days I'd cuss. Some days I wouldn't. I was just having a hard, hard time. Now, while all of this was going on, I didn't know it then, but I know it now. My brother got saved in 1977 in Sweetwater, Texas. He said, I found the living water in Sweetwater. Amen. And for 21 years, he had been going in his barn. That's where his prayer closet is, up in the top loft. And he had been praying for me to get saved for 21 years. How many of you have somebody that you've been praying for? Everywhere I go. Do you ever get discouraged? Do you ever wonder, God, are you ever going to save them? That was my brother. 
when I'd come home from Nashville, he would look at me and he'd say, God, he's the same old cocky rooster he's always been. Aren't you ever going to do anything in Bruce's life? But what Sammy didn't know is God was dealing with me. And I want to sing you a song that my brother wrote as he was praying for me, other members in our family and friends. Because there's someone you're praying for. And it may be that you're here today and someone's been praying for you. So would you listen to this song? And as I sing, maybe you want to pray for that one you've been praying for. Someone has a daddy and they love their daddy so. Time is steady passing. Daddy's getting old. Daddy wants to listen for the time is running out. It could be this very hour. Daddy, won't you listen now? Are you someone, someone's been praying for? Someone loves you enough to take the time to fall upon their knees. Praying, Father, won't you please find a way before too late for my daddy to believe? You may have a brother, and only God can know the hours you spent praying for the brother you love so. You may be that brother, thinking time is on your side. Your soul will be required of you who knows this very night. You may have a daughter or a son that you love so. They both have long forgotten the faith their mother sowed. You may be that son or daughter and you wander far away. The time has come to now return, now before too late. Are you someone, someone's been praying for? And while my brother was praying for me, his family, his church family, I found out later that people all over the country and even out of the country were praying for me to be saved. Now we're asking people to pray for our younger brother, Dale, to be saved. And I know you may have a long list, but if you'd add his name, I'd really appreciate that very, very much. And so while all this is going on, I had prayed and asked God to help me with my finances. I've been reading the Bible, trying to keep my list, and all of a sudden I get a check in the mail. From the ASCAP Corporation. Now, ASCAP collects your royalties if you're on radio or television. I was on the Matlock television show back in the early 90s. They paid me for that show, never expecting another dime, but they used two of my songs on there. So all of a sudden, I pray to the God of heaven, and I get a check in the mail. And my first thought was this. There is a God. He did hear my prayer. He does care about me. But when I looked at that check, it came from Denmark, in Canada. I did the Matlock television show in Wilmington, North Carolina. I said, this is weird. So I took my check down to the ASCAP Corporation there in Nashville, Tennessee. And I said, look, you people sent me this check. I was glad to get it. I just don't know why I got it. Thought maybe you could help me with that. And the lady looked at me and she said, are you a member with us? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, are your songs copywritten? Are they published? Are they cataloged with us? I said, no. She said, then we don't owe you a dime. I said, why did I get that check? She said, I have no idea. And in my heart that day, I thought, God sent me that check. Then she punched some numbers in the computer, and she said, oh, my goodness. She said, Bruce, there's a lot of money in here for you, but you can't touch it. I said, why not? 
She said, because you don't have your paperwork in order. So she helped me get all that in order. She said, now, Bruce, we're going to submit this, and I'll tell them your situation. You're going to get some money. I just don't know how much. In January of 1998, three major things happened in my life. The first one was this. I got a check in the mail. They went all the way back to the first time they aired that show and paid me up to that date, and it was for thousands of dollars. And usually if Bruce Fry had money in his pocket, whoo, life's a gas, everything's great because I love money. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not evil, but the love of it is, and I wanted to be rich and famous. But all of a sudden, God had taken the love of money out of my heart because I held that check up to heaven, and I said, God, thank you for sending me this. It's really going to help me, but why am I still so miserable, God? And then when that happened, the next thing that happened was January the 21st of 1998. This picture of me and Hank Williams Jr. on the front of this gospel track was taken in this club called Skull's Rainbow Club. The owner, his name was Skull Schumann. On that date, 4.30 in the afternoon, he was going to work. Two men jumped him and robbed him and killed him. A few days later, I went to his funeral, and it was a graveside funeral. A Catholic priest had a podium sitting up there, and he was performing this funeral. He started saying things like this. Well, our friend was not a religious man. He was not a church-going man, but he was a very nice man. He did a lot of wonderful things for people. He had such a good heart, I'm sure he's in a better place. But I had been reading the Bible where it says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. You read down to verse 12, it says, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be nice to people or do good things. It means your goodness will never get you to God. That's why you need His goodness, His righteousness applied to your life. Then he talked about him having such a good heart, and I thought I had a good heart until I read Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And at that funeral, God was revealing to me personally, Bruce, you're not as good as you think you are, and your heart's wicked. And then everybody got in a line, and they walked over to the casket, which was already in the hole, took a shovel full of dirt, threw it in, and moved on. I had never seen that done, never done it myself, but I didn't want to be an oddball, so I took my turn. And when I dropped my shovel full of dirt, and it fell down in on top of that casket, I had a wave of fear that came over me like I've never felt in my life. And I wondered where my friend was, and I wondered where I was going. And I went back home to my apartment. I opened my Bible. I got on my knees. I got out my list. I said, God, I'm not keeping my list good enough. I'm not reading enough. I'm not praying enough because I was trying to do it all by myself. And I was so upset. I called my brother Sammy on the phone because I knew my brother was a Christian, not because he said he was, but because he lived a Christ-like life. I called him on the phone. I said, Sammy, my friend was just murdered. My career's at a standstill. I've been reading the Bible. I'm trying to change some things in my life. I'm just having a hard time, buddy. Sammy talked to me, gave me some advice, and told me to start reading the book of John. And he said, Bruce, I want to pray for you. And I said, okay. Sammy prayed for me. And a few days later, I got a letter in the mail from my brother. And it was like a hug from North Carolina to Tennessee. And in that letter, he said, Bruce, I love you, but I don't love you like God loves you. And he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ in that letter, and he put some little chick comic book tracks in there because he knew I was a comic book kid growing up. And So I'm reading my brother's letter. I'm reading my chick tracks. I'm reading the Bible. I'm trying to keep my list. And 
My band members and I went to Winter, uh, Winter Green, Virginia every year. It was an annual event. We would get there on Tuesday, and we'd play Tuesday night, and then we'd party all night, sleep during the day, and it was a cycle that we were in. But this year was different. My band members are partying, doing the same old thing. I'm, I'm in my room with the door shut, reading the Bible, reading my brother's letter, reading the chick tracks, trying to do good. I did real good all week. A friend of mine was getting married on Saturday. I had to drive three and a half hours from Wintergreen, Virginia to Raleigh, North Carolina and sang one song in his wedding. After I sang that song, I was packing up my guitar, getting ready to leave, and the preacher that performed that wedding walked up to me and he said, Hey, Bruce. He said, I sure enjoyed your song today. Can I ask you a question? I said, Sure, preacher. What's that? He said, Have you ever been saved, son? Have you ever been born again? I started crying. I said, preacher, I thought I did that when I was a 13-year-old boy. But I'm reading the Bible, and I'm trying to keep this list, and I, I don't know what to tell you. I said, I'm doing the best I can. He said, Bruce, you can do the best you can and die and go to hell. God sent his best for you. You need to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I said, yeah, I've been hearing about that. And he was a musician, God is saving, called to preach, and he shared his testimony with me, prayed for me, and I drove back to Wintergreen. My band members gathered around me. They said, Bruce, you've been here with us all week. You're not partying with us. Don't you love us anymore? I said, yeah, I love you guys, but I'm trying to change my life. Did you hear what I said? I'm trying to change my life, but I couldn't change it. So I said, I'll tell you what, to celebrate our last night, I'll have one drink with you, but don't ask me to have any more. And they said, okay. So I had one, which led to another, which led to another, which led. Next thing you know, I'm right back in the middle of the muck and mire I'm trying to get out of. Went back to the house we were staying in. The party was raging all night long. And when I woke up Sunday morning, I was so ashamed about what I'd done the night before. I got on my knees and I said, God, I don't want to do this anymore, but I can't quit. God, please help me. My brother had invited me to come in here and preach that Sunday night. He knew I was coming back to North Carolina. So I, I, I woke up all my band members. I said, get your stuff together. I got to get out of here. I got to go. I drove them to Raleigh three and a half hours, dropped them off at their homes. Then I drove another hour to my brother's church. And it's a little different than this church. The ceiling is exactly the same as that church. It's amazing. When I walked in here, I went, wow. But it was a real long church and when I got there, I got there late. They were all standing up, singing a song. It was packed. I slipped in the back, hoping nobody would see me. My brother didn't know I was there. And he preached the word of God. And when he got through, he started having an invitation. He said, hey, if you're here tonight and you're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven, why don't you step out and walk down here and we'll open the Bible and show you how to be saved. I wanted to walk down that aisle. I wanted to run out of the church, but I couldn't move. I felt like my feet were nailed to the floor. My hair was hanging in my face. I was weeping. I was crying. And under my breath, I was saying this, Sammy, I can't do that. I'm Bruce Fry. I'm the hometown boy that went to Nashville to be a star. Everybody knows my name. I'm in the papers all the time. I had so much pride in my heart that I didn't move. Then Sammy left the pulpit, and he walked down here like this, and he said, hey, look, it's late. It's time to go home. But I believe there's somebody here who needs Christ. And I don't know who you are, but we're going to extend this invitation and give you time to come. I'm back there going, no, don't extend it. In it, let me out here. I was about to die. They extended the invitation. Nobody came. I didn't move. He said, well, I guess nobody's coming tonight. And then he said this, if you're here 
and you're not sure if you died, you go to heaven right where you're standing, would you at least raise your hand and let me pray for you? My hand shot up in the back of that church, and he didn't see me. All he saw was my hand. He said, I'm going to pray for you. And he prayed for me, not knowing he was praying for his brother. As soon as it was over, I ran out, and from the church to my mom and dad's house was 15 miles. I cried the whole way. I pulled up in the yard, walked in the house, and guess what? My mom was washing dishes. She was always washing dishes. And I was standing behind her. and The tears were just streaming down my face. And she turned around and she said, Bruce, are you okay? And I said, no, Mom, I'm not okay. She said, can I help you, son? I said, I don't think so, Mom. I said, but you can do one thing for me. And she said, what's that? I said, Mama, will you forgive me for having such a filthy mouth around you all these years? She said, oh, don't worry about that, Bruce. I got used to it after a while. I said, Mama, you shouldn't have had to get used to hearing filth like that. You didn't teach me to talk like that. I said, I'm begging you, Mama, please forgive me. She said, okay, son, I forgive you. I said, thank you, Mama. Went back in the bedroom where I grew up as a little boy and cried myself to sleep. And the next day I was getting ready to leave. My brother Sammy called me on the phone. He said, have you left yet? And I said, no, I'm getting ready to. He said, can I buy you some lunch before you go? I said, sure. So we met at a restaurant, ordered our food. He started talking to me about the Lord. The tears started coming again. I was weeping. I was crying. I was shaking. And when the food got there, I was crying so hard. I couldn't even eat. And I looked around. I said, Sammy, I'm embarrassed. I feel like everybody's just staring at me. Can we go outside? We went and sat down in his car, and he opened the Bible. And he asked me this question. He said, Bruce, could you admit to God that you are a sinner? I said, yes, Sammy, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've broken the laws of God. Yes, I could admit that. He said, that's right, because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He said, Bruce, do you realize because you're a sinner that you deserve to go to hell? I said, I don't get that at all. I said, what are you talking about? And he showed me Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. He said, Bruce, that word wages means payment. That word death is not just physical death, but spiritual death, separation from God forever in a place called the lake of fire. He said, Bruce, if you work a job and you get paid wages, you deserve those wages when you do the work, right? And I went, yes. He says, God says you deserve hell when you do the sin. Clicked in my head. I said, well, I deserve hell then, brother, because I've done the sin. He said, that's right, Bruce. He said, you deserve hell. I deserve hell. If we all got what we deserve, we'd all be in hell right now. But the verse doesn't end there. It says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He said, Bruce, even though you deserve to go to hell, you don't have to go there because Jesus loved you so much that he left heaven and came here and took your hell on the cross for you. Romans 5, 8, but God commended or demonstrated or showed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then he showed me Romans 10, 9 and 10, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then he showed me Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So how do you call on God? God, if you're up there, save me. No, the Bible tells you in Acts 20, 21, repentance toward God, faith for the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is very simple. The word repentance means to change your mind. First of all, you change your mind about yourself. You're not good enough to get to heaven on your own. 
and you can't do good enough to get to heaven on your own. Secondly, you change your mind about your sin, realizing your sin is against a holy and righteous God. Against thee and thee only have I done this evil in thy sight. And then thirdly, you change your mind about your Savior and realize Jesus Christ is your only hope for heaven because he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And after he explained all this to me, I understood it. He said, Bruce, would you like to bow your head and heart in this car right now and trust Jesus Christ and him alone as your Lord and Savior? And I said, no, Sammy, not right now. He said, okay. Put his hand on my shoulder, prayed for me. I drove back to Nashville, and a week later, I was in my apartment by myself. I had popped me some popcorn. I had rented a movie, and this will tell my age. It was a VHS deal. I put it in the player. I was getting ready to push play, but before I did, I looked up to heaven and I said, God, I don't mean to be disrespectful or dishonor you in any way, but I don't want to think about you tonight. I don't want to think about heaven or hell or the Bible or none of that. I just want to watch this movie and relax. I feel like my brain's on fire, God. I hope that's okay with you. And I pushed play and I watched this movie. And the main character in there was such a great guy. Did all these wonderful things for people. And at the end of the movie, he died. When that movie stopped playing, I started crying. And out loud, I said, if that had been a real person, he wouldn't be going to heaven. There was nothing in there about him trusting Christ. And I knew that's what I needed to do. And I wept my way back to my bedroom, fell on my knees, 43 years old. And I don't remember everything I said, but the first thing I said was this, God, I don't understand it all. I'm miserable. I know I need you in my life. And God, I'm sorry for everything I've ever done that was displeasing to you. God, please forgive me. Said a lot more than that that I don't even remember saying. But at that moment, I felt like the Atlas, man. It was like the world just rolled off my back. I didn't know what that was then, but I know now it's the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. As far as the east is from the west, he removed my transgressions from me. I looked at my clock, and it said 1230, and I reached over and grabbed a pen, still on my knees, and I wrote these words. I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ at 1230 because I didn't want to ever forget it. And before I got off my knees, I said, God, from this day forward, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do. You lead, and I'll follow you. I got saved and surrendered my life. I crawled up in the bed, still weeping and crying, and I said, God, I hope I said all the right words to you. But I realize now it wasn't the words that I said that saved me, but the intent of my heart as I prayed. As a 13-year-old boy, if I prayed, it went from my head out of my mouth and never changed my life. But 43 years old, from my heart out of my mouth, it changed everything about my life. I called my brother on the phone to tell him about the decision that I had made. He said when he hung up the phone, he ran around the house. He screamed and he yelled. He fell on his face and thanked God, and then he took another lap. He said, I had a Baptocostal fit. Hallelujah. (laughs) Then he called me back, and he said, Bruce, when are you coming back to North Carolina? And I said, this weekend. I had planned on coming back this weekend. And he said, oh, that's great. And I went back that weekend. My brother, his wife, and children took me out, bought me a steak dinner and a birthday cake to celebrate my born-again birthday. And I was getting ready to blow the candle out, and I looked at my brother across the table, and I said, Sammy, before I blow this candle out, do you remember a couple Sunday nights ago and 
uh, you preached a message and you had an invitation, extended the invitation, and then prayed for somebody that raised their hand in the back of the church. Do you remember that night, brother? He said, oh, Bruce. He said, I'll never forget that night. I said, Sammy, that was me. That was your brother back there that raised his hand. He said, you got to be kidding me. This is the first song I wrote after I got saved. A young man, a bottle in his hand. Not too long ago, that was me. Every night, Saturday night, dim hotel lights. Not too long ago, that was me. That was me who had strayed, confused and afraid, counting all the cost. That was me. Kneeling by his bedside, tears flowing from his eyes. Not too long ago, that was me. Jesus Christ led him in, forgiving all his sin. Not too long ago, that was me. That was me who had strayed, confused and afraid, counting all the cost. That was me. Friend approached and said, I heard you found the Lord. I replied, He wasn't lost, that was me. My Savior wasn't lost, that was me. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment, please? 